Welcome to the Food Professor Podcast, episode 32. We're back. I'm Michael LeBlanc. And I'm Sylvain Chalabois. Well, we're back. We're back. Now, that's a scene from my favorite movie, uh, (laughs) The Hangover. If you remember that movie, they find him. We're back. We are back after a summer hiatus. So great to see you. Uh, For those who are listening, check out our YouTube, and you can see what we look like after a summer. So, Van, how are you? How, how was your summer? Um, let's just let's just start there. Uh, it's been great. I mean, uh, we spent uh, we did spend two months at the cottage. The weather was unbelievable. Um, we bike a lot as a family, and we need sun. <laughs> we we don't need rain to bike, and uh, there was actually a lot of sun this summer. So we were really lucky. We took advantage of the nice weather. We went out. Uh, visited mm-hmm. many new restaurants, uh, visited some friends and family. It, it felt normal. Uh, right. Thank Very goodness. Good. How about you? I mean, yeah. you went to Banff in the smoke. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. And and, and as, as a family, we went to Banff. And, um, you know, I've never been. I'd been to Kananaskis, but I'd never been to Banff. And then we went to uh, Lake Louise. And the first couple of days, you, we might as well have been uh, in Mississauga. You couldn't see anything. There's so much smoke. Like the mountains were, and the, the locals. We asked the locals, "Is this normal?" He said, "This is the worst we've ever seen it." Mm. So it was like 11 out of 10 on the health warning scale. We we were wearing masks, which we do generally, but outside we don't. But we were wearing masks because there was so much smoke. Unbelievable. Um, it was unbelievable. We were wearing masks for two reasons: the virus and smoke. You know, but then on day two or day three, it started raining um, and the, the smoke cleared. Now it was rainy and cold. It was like nine degrees, 10 degrees. Great hiking weather. So it was, it was perfect. And, you know, I, a, any Canadian who hasn't done it. So the beauty of Canada is breathtaking um, oh, everywhere, yeah. East Coast, West Coast. I'd never been. I got a great episode uh, back to gay. Today, again, after our summer hiatus, we've got, uh, uh, we're kicking off a great interview. Serge Boulanger, Senior Vice President of Procurement, Corporate yeah. Brands at Metro. And by the way, in case you missed it over the summer, uh, for one of our bonus episodes, I had the opportunity to interview Vice President and Director of Metro's Corporate Brands, Marie-France Gibson, and Director Paula Dean. Great interview, learned a lot about, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed uh, with the team, with their experience. They got a big portfolio, right? When you start adding up all their sub-brands and brands yeah. and brands upon brands, very impressive. Uh, and we talked to Serge about that and about his his, you know, his thoughts on the current state of things. So that's really good. And we have a whole new segment we're kicking off, which is um, I, I, I got we got right now. I'm calling it trying stuff. We got to come up with a better name. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying food, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, food though beverages too. Because uh, our next uh, our next episode uh, is is actually a beverage or two. Um, so we're, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Let's let's jump in. So uh, yeah. so there's been an election called. Uh, you've uh, I've seen. Uh, a few co- a bit of commentary from you on uh, on Twitter. I think you listened to a debate around agriculture. Tell me what you your impression is of the top issues. Are the top issues even being dealt with in the election? Are they on the table? And, and give me your sense of the election from a food food industry perspective so far. Well, often I mean, people actually are are are, are disappointed uh, by the fact that uh, agriculture or agri food doesn't get a whole lot of attention during a campaign. And frankly, uh, in forty in thirty five days, you have so much to cover. My expectations are frankly 
very low. I don't know what your expectations are, Michael, mm. but uh, my expectations are often very low. But we have to, we've, we've heard the terms like food inflation, food autonomy, food sovereignty. And if you look at all of the major platforms out there offered to Canadians, actually all major parties do have thought about agriculture, agri-food uh, in light of what has, what has happened the last 18 months. Um, in fact, actually, some some parties are actually advertising, talking about food or food inflation. In fact, by one party in particular is using some of our data <laughs> at the lab. Uh, they're not stating the lab per se, but they're they're stating a media which has reported on our on our data, which is interesting. But overall, I think uh, the cost of living is top of mind. For a lot of people, for a lot of reasons. I mean, uh, of course, uh, there is food. Food is a necessity of life, but there's also lodging. I think a lot of people are concerned about access to properties, and uh, and of course, it, that does impact your your prospect as a as a, as an adult uh, moving forward when you start a career. And I can see it with my students at the university. I mean, right now. I'm back on campus teaching in front of human beings, uh, my food policy that's, class, which is often, which is, which is great. great. I, I saw the picture of you getting ready for your first day of school. I almost imagine you with a little lunchbox or something, but um, <laughs> it, was, it's great. I mean, oh, yeah. It's great no, to see and, it. and of course, I'm teaching in front of students uh, with, with masks and everything. But uh, listen, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little compromise. It's not much. But I do talk to students before and after class about their careers. And uh, I mean, there, there's, there's some fog out there. I mean, there's some uncertainty mm. out there in terms of mm. what they're looking for. And they are, they are renting most of them and they're not sure exactly what's going to happen with, uh, with their careers and, and how they can afford uh, to live uh, moving forward. So uh, mm. I think it really, in, in my mind, I, I think food inflation has attracted a lot of attention even during uh, debates. So we'll see how things go next week. Uh, I, yep. I'm hoping that the outcome will serve Canadians well. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. <laughs> you, you talked about a couple of things I want to I want to pivot on. Actually, I was going to ask you about, and and let's go in two different directions. One, you talked about shrinkflation, and so yes. for the people, let's talk. I, I explained it to my family, and everybody kind of goes, "Huh, you're right." So you had examples. So a, let's talk about shrinkflation, and then b, let's talk about the prices you called it uh, of the trifecta you called it the creatively made me think of Deanne Brisbois term for you Hollywood Sylvain the spook point which got you on every every TV but let's start with shrinkflation explain what that is to the people and what yeah. your thoughts are what's happening yeah so shrinkflation is not new really it's been around for decades really but uh, we always seem to see more shrinkflation cases when commodity prices go up because input costs in processing uh, do go up eventually. And so manufacturers, they tend to uh, protect their price points and will reduce quantity. So as a consumer, uh, the the outcome of shrinkflation is basically to walk into a grocery store and 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 see the illusion that you're buying the same quantity at the same price, but you're not, because uh, they've played around with formats, with packaging, and of course the strategy will vary from one uh, product line from one SKU to another. Um, sometimes they will play around with packaging, for example, with uh, which juices they'll actually just you know change the bottle. They're uh, they'll 
create some sort of uh, uh, space in at the bottom of the bottle so you don't have, to, you don't have to put as much juice in the bottle, for example. Sometimes they actually uh, sh- they, they will shrink bite sizes, uh, but they won't reduce the quantity right away. So over one year, uh, and the whippets uh, it, it are, are, are an example right now, uh, instead of 15 whippets, you get 18, same quantity, but I bet you, Michael, in six months to a year from now, they'll go back to 15 with smaller bite size whippets, reducing quantity. So shrinkflation is... It's not just a matter of changing uh, a format or packaging in an instant. It really carries on for several years. And so to monitor that is very difficult to do. And that's why most consumers just aren't noticing really all that much until you talk to them about it. And then they have that ha moment. You know, they say, oh, yeah, Yeah, yeah. right. It's like Buttergate, you know. Buttergate, all of a sudden people realize, (laughs) oh, yeah, my butter is harder. (laughs) Right. It, it, it's it's the epitome of the frog in the in the boiling water, right? The frog will just sit there for a while, not noticing small incremental little changes. And and again, to be clear for the people, shrinkflation is about paying the same for a product, but you're getting less. I mean, that's basically that's right. what you're talking about and, in some way, shape, not, or form. Exactly, and it's not legal. Uh, and and frankly. I don't know about you, Michael, but I, I don't really have a problem with it because all the information mm. is disclosed. It's all there. And even in when yeah. you walk into a grocery store, you do have your price per 100 milliliters, 100 grams. It's all there. Yeah. It's always there yeah. for you to assess. So there are no yeah. surprises. It's just people tend to take it the wrong way. I've always argued that inflation could actually help our food waste problem because uh, one of the problems that we face when it comes to food mm. waste and and if you remember um Lori nichols uh, when she actually came on our podcast uh, i think it was yeah. last year she didn't mention that we do buy too much food uh yeah. based on our, our our life our our quality of life our life uh, our pace and so yeah. uh, shrinkflation may actually end up uh, allowing consumers to to waste less food even though it is contributing to to inflation, my only concern with inflation really is with StatsCan. I'm not I'm not convinced, even though they're telling Canadians that they are monitoring the effects of shrinkflation. I don't think they do uh, very properly. You've got a new partner. You you posted you got a new partner where you're 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 you, you've suspected this for a while, but you, talk about this new partnership uh, that you've got that's kind of trying to figure out this this price thing around what yeah i mean this, this great firm out of uh, out of uh, out of saskatchewan uh, it's called uh, better cart and they actually monitor prices and sizes and so yeah. over the summer we actually went through the entire food basket monitored by statscan only to realize that 70 percent of quantities on their list you can't even find on the market any, anymore uh they're just obsolete. interesting yeah so so i don't know how they're converting prices like this morning for example statscan came out with uh with uh, august data on uh, on inflation and so inflation is up there there's there seems to be a lag with statscan so we're, we're expecting numbers to to creep up in the fall to match kind of the forecast we basically published uh, almost a year mm-hmm. ago but with with inflation, I mean, I I kind of uh, it's for for us uh, at the lab, uh, Statscan is really just an indicator. Uh, we're we're using other sources like Nielsen IQ, uh, BetterCard to kind of 
really understand what actually is going right. on yeah. out there. Like butter is another good example, Michael. Butter, according to StatScan right now, butter is up 2.8% since January. But according mm. to Better Card, it's up 35.5%. 35%? Yes. And wow. I believe it because, I mean, I mean, you remember with Buttergate, uh, the, the, the fact they were using Palmite to reduce costs and, of course, with supply management. And I've always argued it's very easy to fix the problem. Do the right <laughs> thing. You'll be compensated. It's, not a, it's a no-brainer yeah. for farmers, and, and that's exactly what's happening right now. So well, I you've was expecting it. better, better. I was expecting butter prices to go up in Canada as a result of Buttergate, and they and they have. Well, you've introduced a new thing in my household. As I've often said, my wife and I, who've been married quite a while, we agree on most things. We disagree on how much champagne to drink, how much turkey to eat, and now we disagree <laughs> on the butter to buy. Because I always buy thanks to Buttergate. <laughs> I always buy the more expensive, either organic or or uh, or grass fed, and you know. My lovely wife comes home with the cheapest butter she could find. I'm like, oh, no. but Buttergate, but Buttergate. You should um, say, great, I needed a hammer. <laughs> and I'm trying to cut through it. Of course, I'm very dramatic about it. Of course. Um, trying, to, trying to cut through it with a chainsaw. Um, <laughs> a little bit dramatic there. Yes, uh, a little. So I, I, a little. Uh, so three things. I want to get back to food inflation briefly, but uh, on the trifecta, the spook point about chicken pork yep. and meat talk about your thoughts on uh, on the trifecta uh yeah so obviously uh as i said this morning i was looking at uh, cpi numbers and uh it, it's ugly at the meat counter for sure so when you look at uh, beef prices uh, on average they're up about 10 10.5 percent so far since january not year to year january uh, chicken is up, uh, let me see, 10.6% and pork is actually at up at 4%. So it's not that bad, but still hmm. the, uh, the chicken portion of the trifecta is really important because it is supply managed and typically a chicken is pretty stable across the mm. board and uh, and it's like the tide, as I explained to you before, uh, if chicken goes up, everything else will go up. And what we're noticing is that really uh, consumers uh, are are spooked. And in the last 12 weeks, um, volume sales at the meat counter uh, have dropped significantly uh, in Canada, uh, 12 to 17 percent in some cases, depending wow. on where you are. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty dramatic. Wow. And uh, but here's the thing. Vegetable proteins up uh three four percent so yes people went out they went to the restaurant they're not buying as much uh retail stuff i get it but i actually do think that we've reached a point and it's similar to 2014 all of a sudden consumers uh all consider the meat counter to be a pricey place to be and uh and i think i think things will calm down but it, it is it is a dangerous place to be for for the livestock industry and of course farmers are a little bit upset because they're they're earning more, but but really the bulk of profits uh, really do occur in processing and, and distribution. But let's face it, that's where most of the costs are as well uh, right. across the supply chain. So yeah, uh, numbers this morning are pretty high again for for mm. for the meat trifecta. Um, you mentioned produce. I wanted to just before we go to our um, 
our interview and before we go to our product our new product segment trying stuff yes um new title tbd if anyone's got a title <laughs> idea send it my way that's uh, right. I want to just touch on some research that uh, the lab released uh, just at the beginning of September about Canadians and produce. Uh, 29.3% <laughs> of Canadians bought enough produce to match recommended amount by Canada's new food guide. So it looks like a recognition uh, about consuming produce. But tell me about the study and, and what, your, what your net conclusions were. Yeah, so I actually work with my friend Vicenta from, uh, from our Faculty of Agriculture here on this project. Uh, uh, Obviously, uh, we wanted to know uh, exactly how much uh, produce Canadians are, are consuming versus what is recommended by Health Canada with Canada's uh, food guide, the new food guide, which was presented in 2019. If you remember, Michael, you know, that plate, half of yep. it, fruits veggies. and vegetables right there. Do you, uh, so it, it's basically 29.3% of Canadians actually admit that they're eating uh, enough produce uh, based on recommendations made by Health Canada. So this is a survey. It's a self-reporting survey. So my guess it's the percentage is probably lower. So, so, so either, either Canadians are telling mm-hmm. us, uh, you know, this is what we can do and, and Health Canada's ambitions are way too high <laughs> or we need to do some work in terms of promoting uh, fruits and vegetables uh, during this wonderful year of uh, what's the international year of fruits and vegetables this year. Uh, uh, did you forget about no, that, Michael? I, I had no idea, uh, but I there love you your go. point about self-reporting bias. It's funny because it makes me think that everyone knows they should be eating lots of produce oh, yeah. and would even kind of over-report based on, you know, geez, I should be eating. I'm sure I eat more, uh, but it's a great point. I mean, it's a really interesting point about produce. So uh, lots of st- uh, just about that, you've got some more research coming out from the lab, I suspect, this year. Can we expect yeah. more uh, oh, yeah, stuff? Absolutely. This- so we have a report. To, we're working on a report for October on salmon consumption, if you're interested. Mm-hmm. That's coming out. I'm, I'm working with my colleague, Stephanie Colombo, on that one. We're also actually releasing, just before Halloween, a new study on allergies uh, in partnership with Allergies Canada. And so, uh, and we're also uh, launching this week, a new survey on, on food inflation perception. What are people doing to save a bit of money uh, before going to the grocery store and in the grocery store? So that's coming out early October. Well, all right. Uh, Lots to talk about for the rest of the year, of course. So looking forward to that. We're back every two weeks. We'll be back on the mic so we'll we'll delve into all that research now let's talk about our our new segment trying stuff so our first (laughs) thing that we're trying came out from one of the people that i interviewed um on as a bonus episode from the canadian grand prix which we sponsored nabati foods out of edmonton and they make plant-based products and i was watching his um the the president's uh linkedin feed and there's a thing about this plant-based, no egg, egg substitute, liquid egg substitute. I'm like, send us some, let's give it a try. So you and I are going to try that. For the listeners, here's the process. So you and I, earlier in the week, have tried it once already and made it once already. I've got to do a couple of things differently based on what I did the first time, and I'll explain what that is. Okay. Uh, and so then we're what we're going to do is we're going to pause the, the episode we're going to pause the tape we're going to go make some omelet and come back and we're going to try it for the people and talk about 
our observations about eggs, E-G-G-Z, eggs. Z, yeah. A, and, and I think we should substitute. mention to the audience that uh, we're this segment is, is, is not sponsored at all. Right. Uh, right. These products are sent to us for free to try and uh, yep. we're not we're not asked to uh to evaluate these products with some sort of bias uh, it's really me and michael testing stuff all right we've gone and we've cooked our eggs let me see if i could here they are oh here look at they yours are right here beautiful yeah. all right let's let's give it a try yeah. and we can talk about it mm. i like the texture the texture's not the like same the as real eggs though eh Nope. Neither is the flavor. It's less eggy, obviously. It's less oaky. Yeah. The yellow part of the eggs is not as pronounced with uh, with this particular product, but it's uh, it's amazingly similar, though. I like it. I, I enjoy the flavor. It doesn't leave an aftertaste. No. Um, it's got a nice a nice flavor. Now, in my omelet, uh, I put in. Chives, salt, pepper, and uh, mushrooms. That's about it. Okay. Fresh, fresh, fresh chives. And and here's what I did different. Now the texture might throw you off because the texture uh, is not like a liquid egg white. No, no, um, it's firmer. You know, it's a thicker. Yeah. Now what I did different, and then I'd like to hear your your impressions of of the process. When I first made them, it came right out of the fridge because it's supposed to be refrigerated, and yeah. it was very thick and heavy. And I'm like. I don't know how to cook with this. So typically I'd break a couple of eggs into a bowl, put my ingredients right. in, mix it up. And what I found is this time I had a hard time getting it out of the bowl. A, I took it out for maybe tw- 15 minutes in advance and that really thinned it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I poured it, I poured it right into the pan as opposed to in a mixing bowl, put my ingredients in and then mixed it in the pan. And that yeah. worked out. Well, that's perfect. exactly so, what I did too. Uh, I just poured it. That texture when you're pouring, it, it may sound, it may look a little bit off because you're, we're yeah. all accustomed to breaking eggs. Uh, it, pouring pouring eggs out of a bottle would feel like pouring ketchup out of a bottle. Mm. But uh, it's it it may throw you off a little bit. But overall, I mean, the the quality is not bad at all. Uh, like if you're expecting the exact same thing, you're not going to get it. But yeah. it's, uh, but it's interesting. Um, but my question to you, Michael, uh, do you think you can bake with this? Um, that's, that's a, a good big question. question. I actually got on Twitter yesterday, which I thought was a very good question. You know, we'll have to reach out to Nabati and ask that question. And and uh, I was on their site just reading up about the product, and I'm not sure I saw that. The other thing I think they could do that would help me uh, is give me some kind of um, idea about like for like, like. Um, you know, with liquid eggs, they say a tablespoon is an egg or something like that, just so right. I know how much is going to come together. Not a big deal. As you say, the consistency is more like a ketchup than yeah. it is liquid eggs. I like it. I mean, I would I would serve this to my friends and family. I'm- but it, it really, it's consistent with what I've been saying all along. I mean, plant-based whatever has to come up with its own flavors and uh, its own expectations, really. I mean, uh, I actually think it's a nice substitute to real eggs if you're not into eggs i i'm a big fan of eggs personally uh i I think i think eggs are the most perfect natural products out there really i mean it's just a perfect product 
yeah. and and I've Agreed. said that to 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 the sector. I mean, it's eggs are are just perfect. However, yeah. and and it will age well because you know there's no waste. It's just uh, it's a shell, and and shell are compostable. <laughs> you know, but uh, if you're not into eggs, it's really a good option. Really, yeah, I it's very convenient. Uh, congratulations to Nabati and their founders. Nice job. Uh, exceeded my expectations, I have to say, uh, in terms of flavor profile. Uh, I was expecting so, some weirdness there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not what we're getting when we eat no. uh, this product. So, yeah. It's, it's kind of like you've always been saying, like for the flexitarians, listen, if you, if you want to eat meat, but you're going to have a burger, they're, they're just two different things. I mean, that's where, where you know, the, the plant-based, uh, you know, the, the super flavor, delicious kind of plant-based thing but the ingredient deck's pretty big the ingredient deck yeah. that's not too bad anyway this has been great uh i love <laughs> i love doing this so we've got another one coming up next week or sorry next episode we're going to do it all the time now because it, it both gets us to talk about the industry plant-based quality and just it's kind of fun right so oh uh, yeah i think i think we should together i think yeah i think we should actually call this uh, our foodie moment okay you know? our foodie yeah. moment there we go the foodie moment all right <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's go for the foodie moment to the the to Serge Boulanger from Metro. Talk about a foodie. Uh, he's such a senior leader at uh, Metro. It's, uh, it's so nice of him. We, you and I both knew him from the trade. Oh, yeah. and real uh, yeah. real gentleman and and uh, so savvy. And it was such a treat to have the chance to talk to him. And, and he was so generous with his time. So let's go to that interview. And let's hear from Serge. Uh, Serge Boulanger, welcome to the Food Professor Podcast. Uh, we're so happy to have you on our program, Michael and I. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invitation, uh, Sylvain and Michael. So it's a pleasure on behalf of Metro to be with you this morning. Well, before we go into Metro, uh, the company you work for, uh, we want us to to have you talk about yourself, your journey, your professional journey, your career. Uh, how did you end up at, at Metro? Uh, first of all, I joined Metro almost 25 years ago in 96. You know, previous to that, I was uh, working in the, the advertising, you know, world. But uh, I'm also a CPA, so I'm pretty good with numbers. <laughs> Uh, but I joined Metro in uh, in '96, uh, and I was involved, I would say, almost 13 years in marketing, uh, mostly as VP marketing for the Quebec and Ontario division. You know, until 2009. Uh, after that, for a period of three years, you know, Eric gave me the opportunity to learn and uh, run our pharmaceutical division called McMahon and the Brunet Banner in Quebec for three years. And since 2012, I'm running uh, all procurement for all food. And a, and a portion of uh, Kutsu as well. Um, so, and uh, also I'm managing, uh, you know, some uh, manufacturing activities that we have at Metro, um, uh, including the Première Moisson, which is a artisan bread uh, network of uh, stores, but we also have some manufacturing uh, facilities. So, And you guys bought uh, Première Moisson, what, in two, three years ago? Is three, that correct? 2015. 15 already, yeah, 2015, wow. and uh, we bought it from the uh, Colpron family, and uh, they stay with us until 2019. So it was quite an achievement, you know, to keep them, you know, with us for, uh, I'd say, almost five years. And so far, it's a, it's a good success, and it's a good... Uh, it's a good platform to develop the bakery, you know, business, you know, uh, with this, uh, I would say, small network as well as the expertise we, we bought for our own, you know, uh, 
baking products uh, under selection and other brands. So you've been in your current position for almost a decade now. Yep, nine years okay. almost then, yeah. That's great. Tell us about Metro. Uh, our audience obviously is uh, is nationwide and beyond. Uh, some people may not be familiar with with Metro because it's essentially located in the eastern part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, what's What's unique about Metro? What's different at Metro? If you were to describe an experience uh, in one of your stores, what is it like compared to your competitors? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to give you some some idea about the size of Metro, you know, we are uh, basically running uh, almost a thousand food store, uh, as you said, mostly in Eastern Canada. Uh, Quebec is our main uh, market. Uh, as well as the Ontario when we bought ANP in 2005. So, um, so this is, I would say, both the biggest two market in Canada that we are involved with and with the purchase of Kutsu uh, in 2018. So our scale of the pharmacy number of location went up now to more than 650 uh, with some location in Ontario under Kutsu and in New Brunswick. Um, so basically, we are, I would say, let's call it a major regional player in Canada uh, involved in food and pharma. Um, we reached out $18 billion of sales uh, last year, and we have basically an operating, you know, um, uh, results of around 9%, you know, uh, of operating incomes, which is, I would say, uh, best in class, I think, in Canada. As for the experience, for sure, we have different banner to serve customer. Um, uh, the discount segment is run under the Super C and the Food Basic banner in Ontario. And as for the conventional, we have one name, Metro, that we introduced in Ontario in 2009, I think. I was involved in this, you know, change of the banner, you know, in, in 2009 as VP Marketing. And I think what differentiates, you know, Metro, it's really the customer focus that we have. Uh, we think uh, we have uh, five different customer promises that we're working closely. And each time we're working on a project, on a decision. So is it deserving, you know, one of the customer promises that we are uh, uh, promising to our customer? If not, we are removing this, this project or not fo- fo- focusing on it. So um, it's really the focus, and this is why, you know, we have so many strong uh, programs. If uh, we're talking loyalty with Metro and Airlines in Ontario, uh, we are investing a lot in the renovation of our stores concept, including and introducing new concepts, you know, uh, uh, sushi counter, uh, Thai counter, uh, HMR product. Uh, so I think what differentiates Metro is, uh, and also, you know, we have been recognized as very good operator. So uh, mm-hmm. as we see in retail, you know, it's a 10% strategy and 90% execution. <laughs> and I think part yeah. of uh, the Metro formula uh, success is, is the operation. Talk about, uh, if you would, Serge, talk about Adonis. That's your, one of your banners that is in the, uh, it's a great, I have an Adonis close to me, actually. It's a wonderful store, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not uh, very well known. But it, it, talk about that and, and how that fits into your, your banner strategy of, of overall, you know, the discount to the full line. Yeah. As I said earlier, we are really focusing on, on customer, you know, uh, offers and, uh, Within the regular banners that uh, we are, we were running at the time uh, in 2011, you know, we went to a partnership with the uh, uh, Shayeb family to bought uh, 51% of the share of the Adonis uh, banner in order mm-hmm. to 
address this new segment of uh, Mediterranean customer, Egyptian, Lebanese, yeah. um, and their and the offer, you know, of uh, of uh, of those stores is amazing. You know, uh, it's very a, different. It's, it's very different. Very different. Yeah. Usually, yeah. Yeah. as you know. Uh, the ratio between grocery and fresh product is really around 50-50. Uh, the ratio of fresh product in those stores are really higher than 50%. Full service, you know, labor-wise is uh, asking a lot from our employees. A lot of product are prepared at store level. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really a unique and, and, and different, you know, um, offers and experience for the customer. And what we are trying to do is uh, how we can import some of those products to make Metro and Super C and Food Basic banners uh, more a destination, having special product under the Adonis or Premier Moisson brands. So it's it's part of the formula of the uh, of of Metro, and this is what we're going to focus more and more, you know, in the coming years. I was I was going to say I often see or I'm seeing more Adonis product in my local metro so it's a nice blend of of the two there's a couple of products i go there specifically for they've started to appear now in the metro so it's a nice and does that go both ways for you is that that some of the opportunity and and the follow-up question to that is is how all this fits in we've talked about physical stores tell us a little bit about your um a the cross-pollinization of products between the banners and then be uh, let's talk about e-commerce for a little bit as well tell us about uh, tell us about that in addition to the banners yeah. as for politicization uh, we also started to introduce some of our private label brand you know in in adonis as well so we're making tests and uh, test and learn let's call it this way you know especially in the adonis store we just opened in quebec city um mm. so it's um it's 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 part of our i would say uh test that we're doing uh and as for you know your question about e-com for sure with the pandemic and um the, the, the we 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 had at the time uh you know we, an e-commerce platform based on picking and packing at store level uh, but with the surge of the demand, you know, we had to make quick changes. And um, so actually we have, a, a, I would say, different type of, uh, of strategy, you know, to address a large area, uh, suburb or mm-hmm. rural area. Um, so we're trying to leverage our brick and mortar, you know, asset, putting, you know, the energy on the IT platform, making sure that the customer will find their product very easily. Uh, and as for the, uh, the logistic behind that, you know, it's, uh, it's, this is the part where we are trying to be more and more efficient every day and trying to reduce, you know, the cost of transportation, which is how it's a, yeah, uh, one of the bottleneck, which is not easy because, uh, as you know, the grocery business is uh, low margin, and it's based on the fact that customers are coming, they supply the transport, they supply the manpower to prepare right. the orders. Right. A little bit different, you know, when you're going into the uh, e-com uh, platform. That's uh, no, it's uh, e-commerce is uh, is taking more and more space uh, for sure, and and many grocers are moving in in that direction, including Metro. You've been Incredibly successful with your private label uh, business. Uh, we saw what the Cane Grand Prix. You've won many, many prizes, many awards. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> from from your standpoint, uh, what are some of the trends that you're seeing right now uh, when you're looking at the market? 
in general, uh, what are some of the things that your, your, your team is, uh, is taking note of? Actually, with the portfolio that we have, you know, we have four very clear brand addressing, I would say, different segments, which is selection, for example, which is the, the national brand parity with value. Uh, Resistible is addressing, you know, what we call the indulgent segment. Life smart that we just uh, make a spin off of the irresistible brand because customers were a little bit, you know, uh, not understanding really easily what the life smart or the Muzaid brand was, you know, so we, we did a spin off of it. Uh, as well as the personnel, which is the brand of the health and beauty that we bought from Jean Coutu. So we have, I would say, a clear way to address, you know, each segment. And I would say what we are seeing is that uh, for sure private label, it's not just about value more and more, you know, it's more and more about how we can differentiate ourselves with that. And especially with the new generation, they are um, less, I would say, committed to the national brand. They were more open to buy other brands, you know, other than the national regular one. And what we are seeing, you know, as the as the market is really uh, consumer are having two faces, you know, uh, the the vortex and the cortex, <laughs> you know what I mean, you know, in the brain. <laughs> That's um, right. It's that uh, people are more and more, I would say, uh, concerned about their health, uh, and they want to go with plant based product, less salt, less sugar, less, 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 or more natural, for example. And this is why the large smart brand is addressing that. But at the same time, you know, uh, they want to treat themselves. And the irresistible brand, which is, you know, the indulgent brand, you know, is doing very well. Uh, actually, you know, the, the, the chocolate bar at 70 to 95 percent, you know, cacao uh, percentage is going, you know, up and up and up uh, every every month. So it's uh, what we're seeing is that people are concerned about their health, but at the same time they want they they, they want to treat themselves and mm-hmm. the growth actually we they want to indulge. Yes, yeah, they indulge. Yeah, and and the growth we are seeing is really about you know those two segments that uh, are you know. Uh, Live, um, live smart and irresistible for the reason that I just mentioned. Oh, it's, it's so, it's so interesting, right? I mean, and it, and it, let me continue that thread of, of discussion. I mean, you, you've been at Metro, had a lot of different chairs at a lot of different tables, but you probably, I'm guessing, hadn't seen what you'd experienced in the past 18 months, something all new to mm-hmm. all of us. Take me back, and this isn't a history lesson, but take me back to March 2020 when really for many of you, it was dawning the magnitude of, of the issue was starting to happen. What, what was running through your and the executive team's minds in March 2020? And where I'm going with this is, I'm gonna, okay, now we're at the tail end of, of the pandemic. You know, what, have, what have we learned and, and what are you going to take away from it to, to make the, the company better? Actually, it's, uh, it was quite you know, an experience, you know, because, uh, you know, we, we used to have, you know, pandemic comedy, what will uh, happen? Because, you know, many years ago, we were, we were talking about the, the bird flus and all that stuff. Sure, know? sure. Nobody ever think that uh, at one time we had to send, you know, 100% of our people mostly at home, uh, especially on the office side. So basically, in March 2020, um, uh, the pressure was coming from everywhere because, you know, we, we started to feel a little bit more in advance in Ontario, the pandemic issue. Because, I don't know if it's because there is more Asian population and they were watching what was going on in China and all that stuff, but I would say 10 to 15 to 14 days before we, 
we started to feel in Ontario a little bit more pressure in the demand from the stores and all that stuff. Mm. And when March 13 happened in Quebec, uh, as well as in Ontario at the same time, that they were basically closing the economy, within a few hours, there was a boom, you know, in, in the stores. Um, everybody saw, you know, the, uh, the paper gate, uh, the uh, bathroom <laughs> tissue issues yeah. and all that stuff. And when we have a, you have a business that it's, it's uh, based on a 2 to 3% growth rate per year, when we are switching 20 to 25% of consumption from, from within an hour to this network, it puts a lot of pressure in it. And it puts a lot of pressure for sure on the procurement with the supplier that I, will, I would say come back but also with, you know, the network of stores. Uh, how we were able to make sure that the security of our employee and the customer, because going at the grocery store at the time was not funny. You know, you were waiting in line. It was cold outside. Yeah. Uh, we were counting people. There were greeter. We were asking questions and all that stuff. So not an easy job, you know, at store level. So the operation people were really focusing on making sure that our employee were showing up as well as securing the customer. And I think on that side, the customer behavior was quite good because we didn't have, you know, a lot of uh, event that people were aggressive against our employees and stuff like that. So we were, I think people, Canadians, you know, uh, or have the reputation to be reasonable people. So I think we, we with the job we did with our employee and mm. making sure that our customer were, I would say, uh, having the wrong, the good, the good behavior, we, I think we did a good job on that side. At the same time, you know, I remember... Uh, big, Do you think uh, the public actually recognizes that, that grocers actually have done a, have done a good job? Uh, probably, I mean, it was a miracle to just to see things happen uh, from, say, March to, to May, uh, even June. And so, do you think the public actually appreciates what, what, what happened over the last, yeah. like over the last several months? I, I would say, I think so. Uh, I, I, I saw some results of some polls that has been made, you know, across Canada that, uh, that uh, Canadians were trusting their grocers uh, about, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the, the, the general way that they were, we are doing business as well as our own uh, survey that we're doing uh, with our customer promises, they're placed, you know, to, to do some comments. And uh, when we are seeing that uh, people were feeling comfortable in our stores, you know, those numbers uh, uh, are, uh, went up, right? So, so I think we did a good job. And especially in a way to secure uh, the customer that there was, uh, there was no way that uh, we will uh, not have the food available on the shelf. And... And um, um, there's a big TV show in Quebec uh, every Sunday night that reached to millions of Quebecers. And uh, our CEO, Eric, has been involved and uh, uh, invited to the show. And the first question the, the, the anchorman, you know, asked Eric was, will it be, you know, a, 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 a non-availability of, uh, of food, you know, in our stores or in stores? And Eric, you know, called me a few hours before and say, hey, do I, am I, am I okay to respond? Yes. I'd say, <laughs> yes, you can respond. Yes. But at the same time, you know, a yeah. few minutes after uh, the guy from Animel called me and said, I'm closing the plant, you know, in, in, um, in, in one of the plant in Quebec. And the supply will 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 be affected for a few days. So I, think, it was, I, I remember, if I remember, it was Yamashish, I think it that's was. That's it, eh? and yeah. it was the largest place of animal of Quebec. So, yeah. uh, so it was going all over the place within a few hours. 
And what I think we were quite successful, you know, it's yes, securing the customer and making sure that there was no more rush uh, to the stores, you know, for stockpiling from the consumer. I think the industry was good, you know, uh, we were good at doing that. And at the same time, uh, you know, even if the supplier were able to supply 100% of that demand, which was not the case, and we know why, because, you know, switching, you know, large format to small format, it's not an easy task, you know, for a manufacturer. And I know that because we are running some factory ourselves. Um, but uh, at the same time, there was pressure on the manufacturing side. But it was really also about our own supply chain, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, for sure, our truck was not fully full, you know, going to the store. But there's no way that our trucks and our infrastructure, truck driver, uh, employees in the DC that we were able, you know, to supply 30, uh, 25% more volume within a few days. So um, some of the people uh, said many times that the that the, um, the, the the food system of Canada is broken. I don't think so. I think we, we did a pretty good job together with the vendors, with the uh, with our supplier, you know, uh, partners, because no Canadian, you know, uh, had to stockpile and the, there was no big fear about uh, that the, the food in Canada was not, you know, uh, uh, available for consumer. And uh, I know some, some of my ac- academic colleagues have actually declared that uh, they've said that the system needs improvement uh, is broken and I certainly disagreed with them Uh, actually in fact the pandemic showed that the system that we have the industry that we have Ikeda works very well Mm -hmm. uh, together and so uh, so I I just want to thank you Serge for all the work you've been Mm -hmm. doing because I know it's been very difficult since March kept food on our table kept food on our table is it getting easier now or where are we at right now I would say we're not we're not back to the same level, okay? Because there is some product that uh, there's lack of uh, of uh, of uh, raw material, for example, coming from outside Canada, um, and it's it's not it's not uh, clear to the customer, you know, for example, that uh, uh, most of our cereal, for example, are coming from the U.S. right now, you know. So uh, um, so there's a uh, so we're not back. For many different reasons, for sure, the lack of uh, employees, you know, of labor in, in some manufacturing area, it's not easy. Um, so there's many reasons that we're not back, um, but we're in a way better position. And it's uh, it's a pocket of product, let's call it this way, that the cleaning industry is not back uh, to the same level, for example. Right, right. Um, and sometimes, for example, in our private brands, uh, because we were able with our partner to have a better service level than the national brand sometimes, I would say most of the times, um, now the volumes on the private brand is higher than it was before. So we have to adjust. Um, but I would say we are within 1% to 2% you know, at the service level we, we were before the pandemic. Let me ask this question about um, the organization. I've, I've spoken to many senior leaders like yourself and, and asked if they if the pandemic has reoriented in any way the organization between the sense of agility and building an organization that can move quickly versus an organization that is, you know, planned out to the, to the penny. I mean, large grocers like yourselves have comprehensive planning to get that food on the shelf and, and it's quite comprehensive. Is that mix for Metro 
changed with the perspectives around we just don't know what comes next and something else could come next. So if you, you know, between agility and between planning, um, do you, do you, you think that uh, the experience of the pandemic will change that mix a little bit for Metro? I would say I think we are more agile than we were when we were before. Adjusting to peak demand, for example. So for sure, you know, pro, it's a highly promotional uh, business, you know, with yeah. flyers and all that stuff. And people are reacting for that. So we were having, you know, that type of agility during the pandemic. You know, the the, the percentage of sales made on the promotion went down because people were shopping once at a time, not going to many different banners to do their shopping. So, uh, and the lack of availability, you know, on, on promotional item was sometimes also an issue. Um, so as for the offer and managing the volume, you know, that stuff after, you know, the big surge, you know, we, we were able, you know, to, to manage that, I would say with, with, with the vendors, I would say, in a, you know, in a, not a perfect way, but I would say in an okay way where we, I think we develop more agility is how we, we're going in the new normal, how we're going to operate e-com. We talked right, about it, right. you know, a little bit, what will be the percentage of the sale in Canada, uh, going forward, you know, your crystal ball, uh, it's, uh, it's as much good as, as, uh, as mine. <laughs> um, the growth, uh, slow down for sure. People tend to go back to some of their, uh, regular behavior, uh, but because I think now people, they want to reconnect and we're seeing that, you know, actually in the consumer, uh, the number of transactions, uh, going up. The basket size going a little bit down uh, because I think people want to reconnect in their personal life as well as in their professional life, you know. And they're feeling and they're generally feeling safer. I mean, as the percentage of the vaccinated yeah. goes up there, you yeah. know, yeah. they can linger. Uh, uh, they feel like they can linger a little longer in the store and, yeah. and yeah. you know. Go more and, often, I think, right? and I think there's two major things that will change, you know. I think the Enterprise also took taste about, you know, reducing their cost of transportation, using video and all that stuff. Uh, more and more, maybe food shows and all that stuff will be in part virtual or something like that. Um, as well as uh, people will more teleworking, you know, it's uh, so yeah. they will stay more at home, not consuming their food at the restaurant or having breakfast, you know, in early in the, mo- in the morning with with the, with the supplier or with a, a colleague. So yeah. this is the kind of stuff that we're looking at and try to figure it out, you know, how the 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 market will stay a little bit more i think mm-hmm. in the in the grocery business instead of the in the hotel and restaurant and institution so this 25% yeah. that i refer 25 to 30% uh, how long it will take to go back to a normal level and which, what will be this normal uh, level? Will it be 20, 25%? We don't know, but I think down the road, there will be a, a portion that will stay within the grocery industry. Um, but you know, nine 11 at the time we were thinking that nobody will, you know, travel after travel, that. Yeah. and within yeah. 10 years, you know, exactly. the, the volume of uh, a flight we're going was even higher than well, before the nine 11. So. Well, let, let me ask you this question and I'll pass it to Savant for the, uh, for our final, uh, question. You know, a lot of your merchants would be on the road, traveling around the world, going to trade shows f- everywhere, finding the best, nicest, unique items is are you changing your perspective around doing that virtually versus in person or do you see them going back on the road 
collectively as much as they did before? Like, are you, do you struggle to discover new brands or is that kind of adapted itself? And you may not go back to the same level of, of travel for the merchants. What's your perspective on that? I would say, uh, I think we will go back on the road. Maybe not at the same level, but for sure, we, you know, food remains an industry that you have to feel the product, yeah, yeah. taste the product, talk with, with the suppliers, uh, especially in the fresh industry. Yeah. Um, we, we started a process many years ago uh, during our own importation of uh, produce uh, all over the world. Uh, last year, for example, we, we imported for more than 31 different countries direct with the grower from Costa Rica to different uh, country. And my people are, I would say, asking more and more where I'm going to be able, you know, uh, where I'm going to, when I'm going to have, you know, the uh, authorization to go back and see my grower of pineapple in Costa Rica. Uh, so we're, we're going to go back. You can't make those, it's hard to make those decisions in a hotel room seeing some product, right? Particularly in your food. It, it's oh, it's oh, yeah. walking the plant floor. It's going to the, exactly. to the vendor and, yeah. and, and really seeing their operation, right? You, you, you really want to get behind the screen, so to speak, and, and walk those fields and, and yeah. you know, know the people, right? You're in the food business, right? It's a very personal business. Yeah. 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 It's a, and, and you know, as I said, you know, during the pandemic, uh, the, uh, our private label brand, you know, uh, the, you know, the development of product, uh, was going on, was still going on, but they had to regroup, you know, every, usually it's a Monday morning, you know, to, Hmm. Uh, approve packaging because you cannot approve the color and the the, the, the plastic or the the, the, the the packaging you know material you know over a computer so yeah. uh, so people were getting uh, you know uh, in the in the office with some rules and they were touching the product <laughs> and they were approving the color and all that stuff because you know we we had to continue to to develop our business so so and yeah. that thing that's why we're so successful with our packaging for example uh, and we have you know a good recognition for the market but uh, in the food uh, business you know our people have to show up at the store to serve customer they have to show up in the DC to 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 prepare the orders and uh, most of our employees have to show up, you know, in the in the office, you know, to develop product, meet suppliers, go on the road, uh, see the factory, how they control, you know, their operation, uh, even you know the the ESG, you know, the uh, uh, the ESG rules that are more and more, I would say, uh, under uh, over, you know, um, uh, people are asking how we are doing our business, so going in the factory and see how they work you know it's uh, it's pretty yeah, uh, it's pretty difficult yeah, yeah it's very critical so i'm having lunch today with uh, xavier poncin uh, the ceo yeah. of, of cial yeah Canada. yeah very well yeah talk <laughs> talk about a guy who's frustrated with zoom and ms teams and everything else he uh, i mean at to your point serge really to transact to feel uh, food, you can't do it over Zoom. It's impossible. And impossible. so uh, he's, he's certainly looking forward to have people on, on the floor and tasting and experiencing food uh, next year. It's not going to happen this year, but next year for sure. And hopefully, hopefully I'll see you there <laughs> at some point oh, yeah. and at other events as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm looking forward to to bring back, you know, a good uh, Handshake with uh, with some of the um, of our uh, main supplier, as well as uh, going to many food shows that I used to go in Berlin, for example, and uh, which is the the platform Fruit Logistica for produce and all that stuff. 
Um, we, we just launched a few days ago uh, with the participation of the BBC, uh, a video uh, showing how we are working at Metro with growers of, for example, pineapple that I just mentioned and Maersk, which is, you know, a large cargo ship operator. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to send you, you know, the, 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 the link of that and maybe you can uh, share it with your, um, with, uh, with your group of people who are listening to the podcast. But uh, it's, uh, it's showing well how, you know, the procurement of fresh produce is uh, it's well managed, you know, within our organization. Well, listen, Serge, uh, on behalf of, of myself and, and Michael, uh, we want to thank you very much for uh, participating, coming on uh, onto our podcast. Uh, it was a great talk, great discussion. We learned a lot about Metro and uh, and hopefully 2021, uh, the rest of the year in 2022 will be uh, less uh, less eventful for all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Sylvain, you know, for the invitation and thank you, Michael, as well. Thank so, you. Uh, thank you. Anytime you need to bounce and have some ideas or discuss, you know, anything about, you know, the food industry, I will be happy, you know, to talk with you again. Uh, it's been a great episode. That was a great interview, Serge, as I said, so generous with his time and insights. Um, and, you know, he's got his hand on the pulse of all of the issues you're talking about, from shrinkflation oh, yeah. to Buttergate to the trifecta to everything, right? He's he's the, he's the at that point, right? He's right there. He knows people. People know him. Uh, he know, he yeah. knows the players. Uh, he knows the stakes. Yeah. Uh, he knows uh, the challenges. Uh, yeah, I, I respect Serge very much. A very knowledgeable guy. Him and I, we've spoken uh, off mic uh, on a regular basis, uh, and uh, he, he, he seems he really cares about the, the industry, not just Metro, obviously, but uh, the, the industry as a whole, which is great. You know, I, I, all of our grocers, if I think about them, many are staffed with you know, real veterans, right? Like people have been in this industry. It's a lifelong passion. Like once you get in that industry, it's such a, it's so amazing to be a grocer, <laughs> you know, highs and lows and, but people have long tenures, right? So you look at oh, Metro, yeah. blah, blah, Sobeys, you know, uh, well, these people. If have, I were Eric Lafleche, uh, who's not a grocer, really, he wasn't a grocer, but he's an excellent right. CEO. You would want someone like Serge as a right hand yeah, yeah. person. Uh, yeah. He's perfect yeah. for the job. To the, to the listeners out there who are listening to us on a podcast, be sure and check out our YouTube site because it's basically an extended version. You both get to see us, but it's an extended version. We're going to talk about stuff that I might snip out for time out of the podcast, but you know, the online YouTube version is the full version. Of course, you can see us trying our, our uh, eggs product. That's a great episode. I think we could talk for a lot longer than this. Oh, it's yeah. kind of a, a pile of fun. Lots of catching up to do. Lots more great content ahead. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. Please rate and review. Be sure to recommend to a friend or colleague in the grocery, food service, or restaurant industry. I'm Michael LeBlanc, producer and host of the Voice of Retail podcast and the all-new Last Request Barbecue channel on YouTube. And I'm Sylvain Chalabois, the food prof. <laughs> Back in the classroom. Wonderful to see. Excellent. All right, everyone. Sylvain, have a safe week ahead and uh, look forward to talking again. You too. Take care.